I love that song, Oh, Praise the Name, and um, I really like, like the whole thing, but I like the, the line that says, uh, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face, and man, I cannot wait to the moment that I can see my Savior face to face because of who he is because of what he's done for us and for me, that he has bought our pardon, that he accomplished our salvation. And he's worthy of our praise, and I can't wait to see him. Oh, praise his name. Oh, praise his name. Uh, You get that one free. That was uh, part of the message there. Although... The idea of Jesus' rescue is what we're going to look at for uh, the next four weeks as we prepare for Easter. And um, as that video so uh, wonderfully showed, the idea of rescue began in the garden, in the beginning. That Jesus made a way before people even knew they needed a way to be saved, to be rescued. And Easter is the fulfillment and the culmination and the, the, the finalization that rescue had come, had been achieved. So Easter is not just a day on a calendar, and yeah, it's a big day. It is a big day on a calendar. It's an important day. It's an important day in our life. We celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, amen, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and he rose again on the third day to rescue us, to save us, to defeat death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. We celebrate that every Sunday. But Easter Sunday is special. It's an important day as we remind ourselves of his resurrection, as we remind ourselves of his love. And so we wanted to take several weeks and really paint that picture from, uh, from the very beginning of how Jesus came to rescue his people. So in this series, we want, to, we want to see the theme of rescue as it's been woven into biblical and human history. Uh, one of my favorite books, believe it or not, is a, is a, a storybook Bible that we bought for our kids and have read with all of them uh, numerous times. And I love this particular book and uh, if you have a baby, you'll get one, right? So I don't know what that's supposed to do. I, I was not trying to make like people have babies. But if you have one, we, we give those books away. Uh, Allison and I do. <clears throat> In this Jesus storybook Bible, a Bible written for children and kids, is displayed so wonderfully, this picture and this idea of that every story of the Bible whispers the name of Jesus. I love that. It shows us how all of human history, all of biblical history, is a, is a story pointing to Jesus and pointing to what he came to do. And I want you to listen to this. And uh, I'm going to read a, uh, an excerpt of this book that, that's in the introduction of it. it. It goes on to talk about what the Bible isn't and uh, what it could be or what people believe it to be. And then it says... These words. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country 
to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle. The piece that makes all other pieces fit together. And suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful description of what Jesus truly came to do. And what we hope to emphasize in this series and ultimately on Easter is to help people to see that rescue is available because of what Jesus did for them. And friends, today rescue is available for you. Whether you have already received salvation from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord or you uh, have not received Jesus Christ as Lord, rescue is available Rescue is available through salvation, but rescue is available out of our continual state of needing someone to cover our sins and forgive us our sins and make us more into his image. In just a moment, we're going to begin, as this story is woven into the entire Bible, we're going to begin at the very beginning. But before we do... I think we need to think a moment about rescue. We hear that word, and I don't, I don't know if we fully grasp or understand what that means for you and I, or maybe we wouldn't even codify it in that way to say, well, I, you know, I don't need rescue. I'm, I'm pretty good. I've, I've done enough good. You know, if you, at the end of my life, if you weighed all the good that I've done and the bad, the good would outweigh the bad, and so... Why do I need rescue? Or maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm a Christian already. I've received the rescue of Jesus. The question I would say is, are you living in the truth of that? Because that's the difference. You and I may have received rescue, but man, if we truly understood how much we'd been rescued, we would never forget it. And so we need constant reminders as well. To understand our need for rescue, we must understand why we need rescue. And today, as we look at this beginning of this one story, we will see what happened. That everything was going very well. Humankind was living as they should. But then they decided to listen to a voice, follow its direction, and try to live their lives in their own strength. And I want to say that even that did not surprise our Savior because from the very beginning he knew that we would need rescue. We would need forgiveness. I want you to realize, and I pray that you realize, that rescue is not simply for those people over there, whoever those people may be to you. Because it's very easy for us to look and say, well, man, 
Jesus needs to save them out of this, out of X, Y, or Z. But my hope and prayer is that you and I would all look and say, how have I been rescued and how can I bask in that and live in that or perhaps I need it too. It's for all of us. We all need rescue because we were never meant to be able to do this on our own. From the very beginning, us needing rescue was assumed before we ever failed. Let me share three things from Scripture today that I think help us to see this. Number one, we find in Genesis 1, 26-31. And go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. It's on the screen as well. But what we see in this passage is that God's rescue plan was woven into the fibers of people from the beginning. God's rescue plan was woven into the fibers of humankind from the beginning. Allow me to read verses 26 through 31 of Genesis 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed this will be food for you for all of the wildlife of the earth for every bird of the sky for every creature that crawls on the earth everything having the breath of life in it I have given every green plant for food and it was so God saw that all he had made and he and it was very good indeed evening came in the morning the sixth day so what we see in this passage is that from the very beginning is for us to see and understand that Jesus' image was built into his people. God's image, God's likeness was built into us. I want to remind you about our Christmas covenant series. We talked about this ad nauseum for, for weeks on end, for five weeks, about image and likeness, and this image and likeness that is mentioned here that that mankind was made in, in the garden, and thus is transferred on to you and I, is that we bear the image of God and the likeness of God. And what it means is that we, this is our sonship and our servant kingship. And so God placed on mankind something that he didn't put on any of the other creatures, any of the plants, even uh, any of the animals that he made, even the planets that God put on mankind. His likeness, His image, that you and I bear the image of God as a stamp, so to speak, of Him saying, they're mine. They belong to me. They are my sons and daughters. They are the ones who represent me to the rest of the world. People in the garden were in a right relationship with God, Submitted to his loving authority over us, and it was like he stamped us, saying, These belong to me. Then he gives the very first people his authority over all other things. 
through our relationship with him we operate in the world through our relationship is how we live uh, among people it, 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 we described it as conduit it's 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 like if you and I are tapped into that relationship with God the Father, then that will affect how we relate to one another. And if any of those things are marred or there's a kink in the line or there uh, is something preventing that conduit from working the way it's supposed to, then it won't work the way it's supposed to. It's like when my kids are timid or scared and I say, I'm your dad. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I'm right here. I'm with you. And you can trust and you can know that everything is going to be okay because I will give everything that I could possibly give to keep you safe. Right? We do that as parents, right? We, we, and we know and we wonder, why are you, why are you afraid? We had, we've had kids get up in the middle of the night or have trouble going to sleep. They're literally in the room right next to us, and it's like, I'm right here. What do you think? Someone's going to break in and, like, have to go against these guns and, like, make it out, okay? Come on now. Plus, I have real guns, too, so come in the house. and There will be trouble. In the same way, God put, loves us as children. And he has that relationship. You are mine and I am with you. He has that authority in that same way over the first people's lives. Thus, this rescue plan was built into the relationship he had with them before it even began. He had that relationship of I'm here and I will rescue and I will take care of you before they even know, knew that they needed it. And friends, that's the, that's the truth today, is that God, His rescue plan has never ceased to exist. It's been marred, it's been challenged. We certainly made it hard, just like sometimes my kids make it hard for me to love them in that way all the time. The same thing we do to our own Heavenly Father. Sometimes we mess it up, right? The thing is, is He never changes. He is not temperamental like us. He does not uh, 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 look at us and wish he, never, <laughs> wish he had never loved us, wish that he never uh, created us. He loves us still, and he makes a way still, and the rescue plan was there from the very beginning, woven into the lives of the people that he created. The rescue plan was there from the beginning. We see in Scripture many times that it says, before the foundation of the world, Christ was slain. And you and I bear his image, that sacrificial image of love. The second thing that we see, and we see it in Genesis 2, just flip over one page, 15 through 24, we see that God's rescue plan was not only woven into the fibers of humankind, but God's rescue plan was foreshadowed in people's care in keeping of his creation. Let me read this to you. Starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden to work and to work it and watch over it. Those are key words. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
for on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground of every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed the place at its flesh. Uh, close to the flesh at its place. Then the Lord God made the rib taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. What we see in this passage is this order, this structure that God built into everything. He says, hey, the, the man I have put here to work it and watch over it. Uh, your translation may say, tend and keep. So he intended for Adam to tend and keep all that he had given him charge over. And, and then it goes very quickly to say, look, you're going to have charge over the ground, over the garden, but you're also going to have charge over these animals, every single kind. Adam himself got to name them, and none of them was fit to be his equal. None of them was fit to be his partner. None was fit to be the one that he would do all of this with, to tend and to keep, to watch it and work, uh, to watch, uh, work and watch over it. So watch and work over it, or work and watch over it, or tend and keep was Adam's primary role. And included all these things. What we see is that, um, I, and what I think is that through taking care of or sacrifice, that the little we see through him taking care of this, we see the little glimpses, the shadows, the foreshadowing of what Jesus was to come and ultimately do. Romans 5 tells us how Adam was the first representative head over, over creation and over mankind. But we see in Romans chapter 5 that Jesus comes in and is a better Adam. He completes it, what Adam could not do and failed to do. And I want to read that to you. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... Adam and death through sin in this way death spread to all people because all sin in fact sin was in the world before the law but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression he is a type of the coming one he is a representative head that is a type of the coming one who is ultimately Christ. But the gift is not like the trespass. So what Jesus came to do is not like what Adam failed to do. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting 
in justification. Since by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Verse 19, For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. You see, Jesus came to do what could not be done in Adam. He came to rescue. But what we see is a foreshadowing of that in this idea of Adam tending and keeping the garden, working in it, watching over it, taking care of this sacrificial love to constantly be doing these things on behalf of Jesus, his God, his, the one who created him. And what we see and what we will see in Easter is that though Adam failed to do what God had put before him, and it was simply a shadow for us to see our need for rescue in Jesus, Jesus never fails. Jesus accomplished what Adam could not. The third thing that we see here, we see in Genesis chapter 3, We'll begin in 15, and then we'll skip to 20 through 24. So if you'd turn in your Bibles there, probably just one page for you, several for me, since I skipped back to Romans. But what we see is God's rescue plan was initiated after people depended on their own ways. Do you understand that sin entered the world because they believed the lies that they didn't need God, that they didn't need Jesus, that they didn't need rescue, they didn't need salvation, and so they said, hey, we can, like this slithering, talking serpent, right, if, if that wasn't weird enough, says we will believe him and say, yeah, I can handle it on my own. I can do what I can do. I, I don't need God. He's trying to keep something from me. I don't need his rescue. I don't need his provision. I don't need his love. I don't need his stamp of in his likeness and image. I don't need all that, and so I just need me. And do you see that that is the lie that we have believed ourselves as a culture, as people, as a society throughout the generations? And that's why we need to be reminded every day that it is Jesus who gives us rescue and respite, and he takes away the suffering, and he gives us what we could not attain to on our own, what we could not achieve on our own, Jesus has made available. And it's that very moment that those people, Adam and Eve, depended upon themselves more than they depended upon God. That you would think that Jesus and that God would just condemn them. But it's at that very moment he provides a way of rescue. Look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. He's speaking to the serpent in this moment. He says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He's speaking about Satan. He's speaking about one day how Satan will be defeated by Jesus. And he said, you, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He will deliver a death blow to you where you will only merely think that you've won against him. It's, 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 it's the first mention in all of Scripture of Christ's sacrifice coming. It's a foreshadowing of that. Theologians call it the proto-evangelion. It just means 
the first mention of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture that as soon as they've messed up, as soon as God finds them naked and ashamed in the garden and says, who told you that you were that way? Who told you that you should be ashamed? Who, where did you, you know, and, and Adam's like, she, she did it. It was her, just her. You gave her to me, by the way. God doesn't just condemn. He provides a way out. Look at what it says in 20 through 24. The man gave names to all the livestock. Whoop, wrong. There we go. Other 20. There we go. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. The Lord God said, Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out and take from the tree of life, eat and live forever, essentially in his condemnation. So the Lord sent him away from the garden of Eden, not to condemn him, but to protect him, so that he would work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life, to protect him from receiving eternal condemnation. So right away after Adam's failure, God had a plan. Right away, as soon as Adam sinned, he had a plan. But the plan was already in place before that because God knew, though Adam and Eve didn't know, God knew that they couldn't do it on their own, that they needed him. And friends, you and I need Jesus. Whether we think we're good on our own or not, whether we think that we can attain to a list of rules or not, let me just give, go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. You can't. You can't, and God knew that. And let's just stop pretending that we can. What we need to understand is that we depend upon Jesus with everything that we have, not only for the rescue of our souls, but for the breath that we breathe and everything in between. We need him. Right away, after Adam's failure, God's plan initiates God provided a way of rescue ultimately through Jesus. Just as their unclothed bodies were covered by God through the shedding of blood of an innocent animal, our vulnerable souls can be covered and cleansed by the shedding of Jesus' blood. And that crushes whatever the serpent thinks he could do. That Jesus came, gave himself as a living sacrifice, dying for your sins, and mind so that you and I could love and live in freedom within him. So rescue is what we preach. It's what we're thankful for. And not only do you and I need rescue, we certainly do, but there's rescue available to others as well. For 21 days, you, you received one of these as you came in. If you didn't, there's more out there, okay? <clears throat> this is a 21-day prayer guide to help orient our hearts and minds what, toward what Christ has done. It even has a moment there where you might even take it up a notch and, and fast, which is just simply removing something from your life for a period of time so that it helps you to focus even more on Christ. And so we, we encourage you to, if you didn't get one of these or you, you did, 
Take it with you. Don't put it on a shelf. Don't keep it in your purse. Don't leave it in your car. Except for the purse part, those are all things that I would end up doing. Like, where is that thing? So don't do it. Be intentional. Take it with you. It's a simple five-minute or less prayer each day for 21 days that we've prepared for you to help you orient your mind and heart and focus on what Christ has done for you. Not only that, but in there, there is a card. Part of the, day, part of the prayer we ask is that you spend 21 days praying and thinking about at least three people. Someone you can invite and bring to church. Just a neighbor that you could pray for and encourage. And a friend that you will do something for and serve them. And you see these jars on the front. One that's empty, one that's got... Uh, orange ping pong balls and one that has white ping pong balls what we encourage you to do as you list these people and you begin praying for them as soon as you invite them to Easter that you would come and take one of these orange balls and put it in the bigger container so we can see how many folks we are inviting for are inviting for Easter but praying for that they would come to know Christ or deepen their relationship in him and know his rescue more and if while we are sharing with folks and inviting them, someone happens to come to know Jesus, then we would put a white ball in uh, for them. So we encourage you to do that. Take this. Take it seriously. We've got some tools on the table out in the back. Some of these, this is simple. You could just put this up in your yard. That really, you just got to walk out there and do it. It doesn't take much. But we also have bundles of five invite cards and so we encourage you to take at least one bundle, take that and give it to five people. You surely know five people that don't attend church or uh, that you know you could invite to church, and we encourage you to do that. Those are out on the table, out in the back. We encourage you to do this. We're praying that God would use this series and this Easter to radically change someone's life, that someone would find rescue in Him. So, here's the call today. Here's the call and the, the call to all of us. Maybe there's someone here today in need of rescue for the very first time. If you're here today and you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love to share with you. I'd love to walk you through trusting Him, reaching out and being rescued by Him. I'd love nothing more than to have that opportunity to share with you. You come. I'd love to pray with you. But all of us, I pray, will be deepened in our understanding of what Christ has done. From the very beginning, that rescue has been on his lips from day one. He loves you. He's gone to, to the greatest lengths to show you that far greater than you and I could ever imagine or hope for. To show you he's died in your place. Would you trust him today I'd love to share with you how you can be saved today I'd love to pray with you if there's anything I can pray for and I pray that God would help us to have rescue and his rescue on our hearts and that we would praise him for that we thank him for that we have an opportunity to do that in just a moment to sing and to thank him for what he's done if God is working in your life and moving in your life come today I'd love to share with you you come today if you're on uh, the, uh, if you're watching us online, 
and you'd like to know about trusting Christ, you can text the word ALIVE to 423-455-9458, and that will initiate a conversation with me as well, and I'd love to share with you how to follow Christ. Let's pray. Our team's going to come, and let's sing, and if God is moving in your life, you come. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, Jesus. You're worthy, and so we're so thankful. I long for the day where my gaze is transfixed on your face. And I pray that's our heart, Lord, because you are worthy. You've done more than we could ask or imagine, Lord. Your love is unfathomable. Help us to worship you now, God, to thank you and to live in the truth of being rescued by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? And if God is moving in your heart for any decision, maybe, maybe it's joining the church, you come. I'd love to share with you how you can do that.